what we got to do up in here today. Amen? What we got to do up in here. Hallelujah. Golly. Woo. Want me to just get to the Word? Want me to just get to the Word? Do you want me to just get to the Word? All right then. Amen. Come on. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'm down with it. Amen. I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Isn't that right, Salvador? We just nobodies, amen? Telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter sixteen. Glory. Verse 19. I'm reading from the New King James, and it says it this way. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Father, I believe that you've moved heaven and earth to get people in this place this morning. And Father God, we do not take it by a chance, God, but God, we understand, Lord God, that you are able to lead, guide, and to direct people into a place to hear a word that's powerful and can shape and change their lives. So, Father, I ask you for that changing and powerful shaping, God, in people's lives today. God, if there's anything in our lives that is unpleasing to you, we give you permission to take it out. Father God, if there's anything in our lives that needs to grow, God, we we ask you for the fertilizer this morning, Lord God. God, if there's anything in our lives, God, that's of use for you and your kingdom, help us, Father God. Teach us to use our lives as tools for you to grow your kingdom, Lord. And Father, I bless, Father God, what you're about to say and do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. So we're here this morning and we're looking in a passage of Scripture uh, and we're seeing that God... Is directing us through the Scripture. How many believe uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, which says that all Scripture, someone say all. All Scripture is profitable. Amen? Uh, it, 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 it's thorough so that the man can be thoroughly furnished in all of the, the works of the Lord. Amen? So that when God says that all Scripture is, is, is good for doctrine, good for instruction, good for correction, good to help you live your life, that means everything that is in this book is profitable for your life and for my life. Can you say amen this morning? So we're going to look at this end of the first book of Corinthians. First off, you understand the book of Corinthians, those that may not understand, the book of Corinthians is written to the people of Corinth. It's a city. And the old time when Paul was walking around doing his thing for the king, Jesus, he was on a missionary journey, and God led him to the city of Corinth. Now, this city was a, a, a city that had a lot of uh, idolatry in it. It was a city that was much like, probably like Chicago or Los Angeles. It was a major city in the world at that time. And so we see that God inspires Paul to write a letter to this church. When we read the whole book of Corinthians, we can see all of the instructions that he gives. And then we get down to this point here where we read in verse number 20, all the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I have to be honest with you, uh, I was not raised in the church, and some of you may have been raised in the church, or if you haven't been raised in church, you can identify with my situation, you know. Um, I didn't understand this term, greeting one another with a holy kiss. And uh, I went to a church one time when I went to New Orleans, Louisiana to go to Bible college, the same college that Pastor Joe uh, is now the director in Chicago over, which is SUM. And uh, a friend of mine said that there's a good church and uh, that you should go to this church. And, and we, uh, a group of students, went to this church. And when we went to this church, there was a strange thing that happened. The pastor, after the worship, stood up and said, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I shouldn't say the name of the church, the line of the tribe of Judah, so I'm not going to say the name of that church. In case you ever go to that church, in the line of the tribe of Judah, in New Orleans, Louisiana, 
you be very careful there. Being not raised in the church, being so on fire for God, I'm just like, anything can happen. Amen? And he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The next thing I know, I turn around and a dude about six foot three with a full beard turns around and puts his lips on the side of my face right there near the corner of my lips. Then he proceeds to turn my, my body and my face the other side and puts it on this side. Now, I don't know where you're from, but where I'm from, when a man puts his lips on you, you put your knuckles back on his lips. I held my peace, and the Lord fought my battle that day. Amen? I, needless to say, I have never visited that church again, but I think I could probably do a little bit better. But what we see here is Paul writing to the Corinthian people, and in that day there was a customary greeting, and even still today, in America we have different customary greetings. We'll say, fellowship, tell somebody you love them. We give them a hug, or we slap them a high five. We give them a pound, we, like you the bomb, you blew it up, and all that stuff. Yeah, those are, those are kind of like the customary. This was the goodbye in that time. And you know, in India, and in different places around the world, different sets of people have different ways of greeting and saying goodbye. And you know, this morning I know that Pastor Joe is going to be going to India, and I just want to prepare you, brother and brother Ricky, I want to prepare you as well. If you would not mind this morning if I could just demonstrate some of the tribal greetings that you may encounter while you're there. I know this may be a little bit uh, uh, not customary for you, but I would like, Pastor Joe, you could just come here first, and you just stand here and be my first demonstrator. And of course, you're 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 just ten and just yeah dad, that's it just like that and Ricky if you'll just come as well because you're going to be needed on this demonstration. Now I will be the instructor, okay? No, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like that, brother. I wouldn't do that to you. Now one of the tribal greetings in in, in some of the tribes around the world actually is uh, uh, the funtusi, okay? Now, the funtusi is, is different, different than anything you've ever met before, so please just go with this, all right? You will need to stand, like, right about here, please, and just face Pastor Joe. And Pastor Joe, you just, and I know this is a little bit invasion of the per personal space. We'll just try to do this as quick as possible. But what you will do is, Pastor Joe, if you'll just let that one block stay between you guys, just, just about like that, okay? And Pastor Joe, what you're going to do is, because you're going to be receiving the greeting from him, he's meeting you, or he's saying goodbye to you, and this is, a term of, uh, this is a term of affection for you. This is a sign of affection. What you're going to do is you take your hand and just put it right by his jaw. No, like this, like you're going to grab the jaw. No, not the cheek. Just kind of like that, and with the other hand as well, okay? And what you do is you tilt your head down, like tuck your chin, and then what you do is you also tuck your chin at the same, not too much, and then what you do is, Pastor Joe, you line up your nose to his nose and your forehead to his forehead. No. Yes. And you just hold it. You have to touch the nose. That's part of the thing. Hold it. Hold it. Yes, hold it like, like on his elbows. And then you just, now you back up and you clasp hands like this and bow. That is the Watusi. Come on, give the Lord a clap for praise in here. Amen. This is actually the tribal greeting in New Zealand. <laughs> oh, wait, you guys aren't going to New Zealand. Oh, my bad. Okay. In India, to greet one another with a holy kiss, there's a couple different ways. They do the cheek to cheek and... If you have to do it, like, see, I learned the first time I did a pastor's conference and that, that if you had, like, 200 pastors and you're meeting them all, or if you go up to a crusade and usually as the crusade speaker you come in last, they like to just, like, have everything going on. And so you're there and then you meet all these pastors and when you come in, every pastor wants to feel that they're honored or you also want to show them that respect. And so you touch the side of your cheek to their cheek and then you touch the other side of your cheek to their other cheek. And listen, it, is, it becomes a rhythm. And I was like... And listen, by the time I was done, I was like getting my step on, you know what I'm saying? So what am I saying this morning to greet one another with a holy kiss, although the meaning of it has changed from culture to culture, the sign of it has changed from culture to culture, but the heart behind it has not changed. Can you say amen? So the Bible doesn't change, amen? The, the, the customs of people may change, but we always look to apply the Bible to where we're living today without changing the meaning of the Bible. Can you say amen this morning? 
So we want to make sure that we include that. Now, where, where we're going to go here this morning, we have to find what Paul says in verse 21. The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. Now, I have to ask the question this morning. Those of you that understand how the Bible was written, the Bible says that all Scripture is inspired. Again, that word is theonoustis. Amen? That is God breathed. That God moved upon men and men took and penned down the Bible. God inspired them. It's different than a man getting and writing a book. This was actually God coming through a man and writing the words that He wanted to say to His people. Can you say amen this morning? In case you think like the Mormons, they think that uh, an angel came down and handed it to somebody, and then after he translated it, he gave it back. This is your first case of Indian giving, amen? It was because the angel Moroni was an Indian angel, they say. But no one's ever seen those tablets. We have scrolls. We know that the Bible existed thousands of years ago, and, and it hasn't changed. Come on, somebody. And so when we see that Paul says... The salutation or the goodbye with my own hand, Paul's. We've got to ask ourselves this question. What was it that was so important that Paul takes the pen out of the person who's writing for him? See, what would happen is Paul had scribes. It could have been John Mark. It could have been Barnabas. Or it could have been, uh, uh, could have been Ti Ti Titus or Timothy. One of, his, one of his scribes was sitting with him, and when he would write his epistles, he would stand or he would sit, and he would be in the presence of the Lord, and they would come in with a piece of parchment or a rolled-out scroll, and they would write and they would pen down what he said because it was coming from God, and he wanted to get it all through all onto the paper as the inspiration was coming to him. Amen? So, But something happens at this point in the Scripture that whatever is getting ready to be said, Paul feels the necessity to take the pen out of the hand of the scribe and say, I've got to write this myself. That ought to cue you in to say something is about to be said that's very important. As a matter of fact, I can only see one other time in the Bible that he does that. In Colossians, he says, remember my chains after he does that. So there was something prophetic about that, about remembering chains. But in this portion of Scripture, it's not remember my chains, it's this. For if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O Lord, come. Amen. We see in this Scripture right here, and even thank you for the footnotes, dear brother. It says uh, the word for, uh, excuse me, for accursed is anathema, and the word for um, o Lord, come is Maranatha, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to break this verse down for you this morning, okay? Someone say, break it down, break it down. We're going to break it down for you this morning. We're going to go word by word in this verse of Scripture because it's very important. It says, if anyone, say anyone. You are in anyone, amen? Everyone under the sound of my voice, this Scripture can and will apply to your lives. Paul snatched the pen out of the scribe's hand and says, I've got to write this with my own hand. It's important what I'm about to say. And what I'm about to say and write is very important for the people that will read this in the coming days. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha, or let him be accursed, Oh, Lord, come. If anyone, you and I are that anyone. Can you say amen? amen? And we are looking at the verse of Scripture, so this applies to us. Say, if anyone does not, that implies rejection. Amen? To not do is rejecting to do. Hello? If you are rejecting to do something in the, in the rest of that verse, there's instruction behind that. Amen? It says, so if anyone rejects or does not do... What does it say next? Does not love the Lord Jesus Christ. Now see, when we look at the word love, we often find that Paul does something with the word love. He uses, in the Greek, there are three main words that describe love. We all know them. It's agape, phileo, and probably eros. Okay? And what usually transpires is we know that the word agape is that God love. Amen? And so... Agape is a word that we kind of use to describe, which means God's type of love. And so we say, if anyone does not agape, but guess what? Paul does not use the word agape in the sentence. God, use, uh, God uses the word phileo through Paul. Anybody ever say phileo first? Phileo. Say phileo. phileo. Not phileo fish, it's phileo. Amen? I'm talking about the word love in the Greek 
for phileo is the same word which we get out for Philadelphia. Anybody ever been to the land of cheesesteaks? Come on, somebody. Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. Amen? So this word phileo is the, is the root of the word love for this sentence. So if anyone does not phileo the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O Lord, come. Now, we've got to get to the meaning of the word phileo. When we get to the root meaning of this word, guess what it means? It means to show outward signs of an inward feeling. Someone say amen. It means to show outwardly what you feel on the inside. So if anyone does not outwardly show their love for Jesus Christ, let them be accursed. Oh, Lord, come. You see what I'm saying? I can tell you all day long that I love you. I can say it with my lips all that, all that I want to. But if I am not showing that love, there is a curse on my life. There are people all across this nation gathering churches saying, I love you, Lord. I lift my voice. And they're saying it with their lips, but nowhere is their heart near God. If I tell my wife I love her, but I do nothing to show her that I love her, if I don't smooch up next to her, if I don't uh, I'll give her that massage, you know, those, these are physical signs that show your love for Jesus is what the Bible's talking about. You've got to have some evidence to get convicted of loving Jesus is what I'm trying to tell you. When you stand before God, are you going to be like, I ain't got no evidence. I ain't got nothing to give. I ain't got nothing to show the proof that I loved you, Lord. I ain't got no fruit in my account. I ain't got nobody I ever shared the gospel with. I ain't got nobody I ever prayed for. I ain't got nobody who was ever uh, moved upon by the words that I spoke through your spirit, Lord. You've got to have outward signs that show your love for Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Paul uses the holy kiss to say, hey, you guys are going to do that for one another, but what about Jesus? What about God? He wants to be greeted with a holy kiss. He wants, to, he wants to, a signs of affection so people can know you're in love with God. People got to know it can't be a mystery to them. We are living epistles read of all men, the Bible declares to us. Amen? So we see that the, the word being used, it says to show signs of love. And another meaning of that is to kiss and to outwardly show the signs of love. Kiss, you can't keep kissing from across the room. You've got to get up close, amen? amen? To really kiss somebody. So you've got to get up close to Jesus in order to show him signs of affection. Come on, somebody. Now here's where I want to go. The word anathema. Someone say anathema. Is the same word we just translated into accursed. Now, the word anathema is actually a Greek word which means a thing devoted to God without hope of being redeemed. Do you hear that this morning? A thing devoted to God without hope of being redeemed. That is the literal meaning of the word anathema. It translated as a curse, but when you get it all out there, a thing devoted to God without hope of being redeemed. You know, there are religions all around the world. There's a religion that tells you, if you want to get yourself 70 virgins and go to heaven, here's what you got to do. You got to become a martyr and die. You, you strap this bomb on you. And listen, these people are devoted to their religion. They're devoted to their God. And they will, in, in the name of Allah, strap a bomb around themselves or fly a plane into a building in the name of Allah because of their devotion. They are devoted to their God, but there's no hope for their redemption. They are accursed. There are Hindus. Where I go in India, there are over six million gods. And there are people that are more devoted religiously to their God than you are to your God. I can guarantee you that this morning. There are people that wouldn't even leave their house without bathing themselves in an incense smoke that was offered up to their God. There are people who won't go to bed without going through their house with a smoking candle and blowing, blowing that smoke in the corners of the rooms because they want their God to see that they're devoted to their God. They are devoted to their six million gods without any hope of redemption. You know, this morning I can tell you uh, that going to India so often that, uh, you know, that uh, we get to see all kinds of things. And I want you to know that, that every time I go to India, it's, it, it, it's a very hard thing. In fact, after the second trip going to India, every time that I went to India, there wasn't a time that I didn't go there that I didn't break out in hives on my body for almost the entire trip. I don't know if you've ever had hives before, but it's not fun. It's painful that there are bumps that come up on all over your skin. 
And not only that, but then I was sick. I had eye infection. I had a throat infection. I had strep throat. I had an ear infection. In fact, the last time I was there, I was sick for an entire month. I've been there for days where I couldn't eat. I've been spider bitten where spider bit me on the chest and broke out on all my body with poison. Now, some would say that's a curse. I would say that's warfare. Come on, some of the things that you are calling a curse, some of the things that you're thinking you're cursed or you're under a curse, is really not curse. It's a warfare. The devil's fighting you, trying to stop you from moving forward in God. Now, this you are devoted to, to God and you have hope of redemption because Jesus died for your sins. You were you were lost in your sins and transgressions, but when you came to God, He broke the curse of death. He broke the curse of the law off of your life. And you are not under a curse. You're not anathema. And in, in, in this land of India, there are lots of things that go on there that probably don't register here in America. One, I'll tell you for certain, really blew my mind. There was a man who uh, was devoted to his goddess. And his goddess, he served in her temple. And the more he served in her temple, the more faithful he was, the more power that she gave him. And when she gave him power, he rose to a position where as such, his full-time job was to go and pronounce curses on people after he was hired by those that wanted curses placed on other people. People would literally come to the temple of this goddess and they would say, we are upset with these people and they are offended our family or they have come against us. They are occupying our land or they have a business that we want and we're going to pay you to put a curse on their family. They would literally hire him and what he had, he had the power to produce boils on the skin of people. And he would go and he would pronounce the curse and inside the boils at certain points there would be as it as this boils would pop up on their skin after some time worms would come out of the boils you don't think you think i'm playing games you'll just find out for yourself someday if you go to india and so this man is living his life with total devotion to his goddess and he is showing signs and wonders and power and people are afraid of this guy but somewhere along the way god saves his daughter and when God saves his daughter, all that he had been doing now is thrust into focus against Christians. He took it as a personal offense that his own daughter turned his back, her back on his goddess. And he said, I'm going to make it my life's ambition to curse Christians. And so what he would do is he would find pastors and pastors' family. Can you imagine going home tonight, laying down your head, putting your baby in the bed, and you hear somebody chanting curses outside of your window? And you don't have the power or, nor the authority to call the police to chase them off your property. They have a legal right to be there. Can you imagine that today? Would you, how would you sleep at night? But I'm a man of God. I'm a woman. I want you to know that they were being cursed by a man that had his whole focus in life of cursing Christians because he was angry because his goddess had been offended. But something began to happen. That man's daughter got filled with the Holy Ghost and she was in his house praying in tongues on a daily basis. Come on, somebody. How many know when God gets in the situation, things start to change? Amen. God began to work on his wife. And his wife got saved. And then in a meeting that I was standing in, here comes this man, and the people are pulling and tugging on my little juba that I'm wearing and saying, this man is the man we've been telling you about right here. He's on the grounds. He's on the grounds. I stood up and I preached a message. And I want to tell you, I saw a man that was arrested with the conviction of the Holy Ghost. He was the first person to respond to the altar call. And when he came down with tears streaming down his face, he begged the people in that place, forgive me for cursing you. Forgive me, pastor, for cursing you. And God totally wrecked his life. He paid his own bus fare to come to the main city where we were doing a crusade the next weekend. He stayed with us Friday night. He stayed with us Saturday, all day Saturday. And on Saturday evening after the meeting, he said, I I want to be baptized because I have given my life to Jesus and I want everybody to know. I don't want my old name. I don't want anything like that. I need a Christian name. I need you to baptize me. Sunday morning after the service, he got in the baptismal tank and he, his wife, and his daughter are now Christians. And not only that, but here goes the capper. We had the last meeting on Sunday night 
And he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a man that was cursing Christians now filled with the Holy Ghost. And all that same power that he was operating in was nothing but perverted anointing. Hello, somebody. If he was able to flow for the devil like that, imagine when he solely yields his life to God. Amen. I'm telling you, this man was devoted to his gods without any hope of redemption, but he met the Redeemer. He met the Deliverer. He met the one that could change his life. And even though he had experienced and tasted the supernatural power, he knew that that power was leading him off the wrong way. Hindus are devoted to their gods. Muslims are devoted to their gods. But there's no hope of redemption for them. They are anathema. They are accursed. And not only that, but I want you to know that this morning that there are people that are gathering in churches and they are devoted to their church. They're devoted to their redback hymnal. They're devoted to their nursery working. They're devoted to their youth group. And they have no hope of being redeemed because they have no outward sign of affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to put the fear of God in you. That ought, you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. I go to a church that doesn't teach me just to, to play it, to fake it. You'll have pedophiles and molesters sitting in churches this morning pretending to be devoted to their God, but there's no hope of redemption for them for their heart has not been changed by Jesus Christ. You'll have people that are very good moral people, but in their hearts they have never yielded their life. They're still liars. They're still bought into the lie that the devil has uh, purported upon their life every single day that they live that all they have to do is follow a set of man's instructions and they'll be fine. When it comes to be a good person, just do more good than you do bad. And at the end, the big spiritual calculator comes out. And if you have the big calculator, you've got more beads on this side. Come on in, guys. It's not going to happen like that. He's going to look at you. He's going to say, what have you done with my son Jesus' blood? Have you washed yourself in it? And when you washed yourself in it, did you walk in it? And did you walk in the authority and the anointing that I put in your life? Did you do what I asked you to do? Did you show outward displays of the inward love that you said you had for me? Don't be a person devoted to God without ever hope or dream of being redeemed. Know that your redemption draws nigh to you. Know that every time you work for the Lord, everything that you do, you're getting closer to that redeeming time where the physical body is going to finally meet up with the eternity that God promised us. Amen? That brings me to the point that the word actually, titan, oh, excuse me, the word anathema, it gives the picture of sinking down like the Titanic ship. When you go to the word picture of anathema, it means to slide down or to sink down like a ship going down at sea. Or even sliding down like a, a, a person climbing to the mountain just before they reach the summit point, they get a rock slide. Anybody ever seen a rock slide? When people survive rock slides, they don't come out with starched shirts, do they? They come out with bruised and cut up legs and knees and hands. And if they don't need stitches and, and cast, they think, consider it a miracle. And even if they survive it, they consider it a miracle. And to sink down like that Titanic ship. You remember the Titanic? It was heralded as the, one of the greatest achievements in engineering of all time. We have 14 compartments on this ship, and this ship will not sink because the way that we've built these compartments, that if one of them fills, it'll be fine. We'll be staying afloat. They said, and they mocked, and they said, not even God could sink this ship. But on its first voyage, it was filled with passengers who trusted the words of the captain of that ship, who trusted in the engineers of that ship. And they paid, some of them gave their life savings to get on board the first journey of the Titanic. Some people bought tickets and sold them for more than they paid for them. They didn't get to ride the ship, but they bought, somebody else bought it for them. And so they were wanting to say, I took the ride of my life. They invested their life savings on that trip. And when it came down to the point where they found out they struck the iceberg and they were sinking, people were telling them, you've got to get on the lifeboats. But guess what? The people were so arrogant, they didn't even put enough lifeboats on the ship for everybody to get off. Not only that, but there were people on board that were still sitting in their cruise chairs saying, we're not worried. We've been told this ship is fine. It's not going to sink. It's unsinkable. Y'all go on that lifeboat. We'll be fine. And people literally stayed on that ship. Why am I saying that? Because I believe there's somebody in here, you have invested in, you're on a ship that's going to sink. 
You invested your life in that ship. And I'm telling you right now, there's a lifeboat for you. And the captain of that ship is Jesus. And I offer you a lifeboat this morning that you don't have to be anathema. You don't have to be accursed. You don't have to sink down. But you can disinvest yourself from everything that you consider to be your life and get true life. Life that will change you and make you, make you who you're called to be. Because God is calling you this morning. He's calling you through a little white man that came from Mobile, Alabama that isn't even from Alabama. But he's talking to you this morning. Amen? And anathema means to sink down or to slide down. Not only that, but let's get into the, let's get into the main part of what I want to tell you today. There's another word that is not in uh, Greek. It's actually not even in Hebrew. There's, isn't that amazing? God, he can use words from different languages to mean something to our lives this morning. It says, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema or a curse. And then it says, oh, Lord, come. And we see there on the bottom, it says Aramaic, Maranatha. In fact, it is a Babylonian term that this word comes from. And this is where I want to start to preach. I believe White Tyrone can come out now because I think everybody's ready for him. Amen. Y'all are looking at me like he's doing a lot of teaching, but man, where's the White Tyrone guy going to come out? He's coming out. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Here's where it goes. Right here. You see, the word Maranatha is a word that has morphed and changed and transformed until it got to the mouth of Paul. And let me take you on the journey, will you? Go with me. Say amen. The children of Israel were rebellious against their God, and they occupied the promised land. And when they occupied the promised land, they forgot their devotion to God. They became accursed. They became anathema. They were devoted to God, and they had no hope of redemption because there was no blood of a bull or a goat that could save them. Come on, somebody. But then all of a sudden, when they were devoted to their God, they began to look at the gods of the other lands, and they would say, well, they got a lot of money. Well, they got a lot of gold. Well, they got a lot of women. And we want to start serving their gods because we want to have some good stuff too. Because we're going to have our God and we're going to have their God and we're going to have them all. We're going to have a hodgepodge. We're going to have a buffet of God so we can serve and choose and eat from whichever God we want to serve. I can go to this church or that church or whatever church I want to go to. Just don't worry about it because I'm good with God. And you know what? They began to do that. But then they began to stray away from the true principles of God. And what happened was God said, you guys better get back, get back, get right, get right, get right. They didn't get right. Guess what happened next? They sent prophets. The prophets told them, get right, get right, get right, get right. They didn't get right. So guess what? God said, y'all didn't listen to me. I got to raise up a king and he's going to come in here he's going to conquer the land and guess what he came in there and he damaged the land and he took the children of Israel captive and took them to a land that they did not know and imprisoned them and enslaved them and took them back into bondage of Egypt but except for they weren't in Egypt they were in Babylon and in Babylon God raised up a man by the name of Daniel who wouldn't eat from the king's table come on somebody and he began to say, I'm going to, I'm going to stand for God and I'm going to bow at the time when I want to bow because I'm only bowing to my God, not your God. And he stood up in the land and then God began to anoint him and their Bible says that the king said, there's a man in your kingdom who's filled with the Spirit of God. His servant told the king that. Then the king called Daniel and Daniel began to interpret dreams and God began to use him mightily. Well, there's a term that Daniel used to say is called it's found in Daniel 4.19. You don't have to turn there and read it sometime. It says, Mari, in the Babylonian word, which means, my Lord. And Mari, Daniel used to address the king. Well, guess what? The Jews that began to put their trust back in God began to listen to that word that they had learned. It was a Babylonian word. Their kids knew it. They knew it now because they were learning a new language. And they said, Mar, which means Lord. And then what happened was they came up with the word because they began to read the prophets. And they didn't remember what Jeremiah and Isaiah were saying to them. And what they were saying to them was that there's coming a day when God is going to send a Messiah. And that Messiah is going to come. And when that Messiah comes, he's going to deliver you from this bondage that you're facing. So they learned a word called Marin. Everybody say the word Marin. Come on, holler like a scholar. Say Marin. Marin means Lord come. Hallelujah. That was a word to the Jew who was getting beat up by the Babylonian, by the Assyrian, by the Greek, and by the Roman. As the, the time went on, they got out of Babylon, they went back to the land, but they were still occupied by other forces. They never had control of their land anymore. But there was a word that they kept saying to one another. Marin. That went, you know what? 
We might be going through something right now, but there's a day when God's going to send a deliverer, when God's going to send a Messiah. And it was a word of hope, and it was a word of encouragement. It was a word to tell your buddy when you were leaving, and he just told you about how bad it is. You look back at him, and you said, Marin, which meant, hey, buddy, hang on, because there's coming a Messiah. He's going to deliver you, and you ain't going to be bad all your life. Just hang on there. Someone say, Marin. It means, Lord, come or send the Messiah. And they would go around and they would say Marin. In fact, it was a term even when Jesus was walking the earth. I'm sure he probably heard somebody say Marin on the way out the door. He probably chuckled himself, I'm right here. And Paul, the Sadducee, or the Pharisee of Pharisees, who understood and sat at the feet of the greatest scholars of the Jewish world, guess what he was taught? Marin. Boys, you know what? You've had a good class today. Instead of saying goodbye, they would say Marin. It's time to go, Marin. We've learned all this for one thing. Messiah's coming. Get ready for him. And so Marin was the term of saying goodbye. But guess what? Marin started to irk the heart of Paul when Saul, excuse me, became Paul. He heard the Jews saying Marin. And he's saying, wait a minute. Messiah isn't going to come. Messiah has come. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. His name is Yeshua. His name is Yahweh. His name is Jesus. And he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. And he has come. Hallelujah. Y'all want me to still preach or y'all want me to stop? Marin began to mess with Paul. And Paul said, no, wait a minute. I've got to add something to that word. I'm going to add the end on that word. And that's where we get the word Maranatha. It's actually not Maranatha. It's Maranatha. Everybody say Atha. Everybody say Atha. I'm not talking about the cabbie from the airport. Hey, Atha, why don't you take me down here to 63rd and... What's another road down here? Diversity. Atha! How much for this cab fare, huh? That's not the Atha I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Atha, which comes to mean, Lord, come. It doesn't actually mean, oh, Lord, come. It actually means, Jesus has come, and he's coming again. Hey, hey, hey. What I'm telling you is when the Christians were getting beat up by the Jews and the Romans at the same time, and when the devil was laughing, telling them, eh, eh, no, Jesus is coming back. He left y'all. He ain't coming back. And they kept living their life. But all of a sudden, Paul came up with a word that said, hey, Jesus came, but he's coming back. Y'all Jews say Marin. We say Maranatha because we know that he ain't coming. He's already come. He's rose from the dead. He went home to prepare a place for you and I, and he's coming again to seek them that will say, hey, hey, I want to go with you, Lord. Why do you think I'm dressed up in this little three-piece suit? I'm getting ready for a wedding. Come on, somebody. I'm getting ready to go today. Because if he says Maranatha, the trumpet blows, I'm getting up out of this thing. Amen? I'm telling you right now, the Maranatha was a watchword. It was a word that said, hey, it's trouble now. Hey, you're facing a lot of problems. Hey, you may not have everything you want, but Maranatha. You might be being oppressed in this world system. You might be being controlled by this government, but Maranatha. Y'all don't get it yet. Y'all don't get it yet. Y'all don't get it. Hello, hello, hello. You know what? In fact, Atha is not even a word. It's an action. It is this. It is... In the Hebrew, when you added breath to a word, it changed the word. And it changed the meaning of a word. And Paul said, we got Marin, Lord come, but I'm going to add something on the end of it. <gasps> what was it saying? Paul put a breath on the end of Marin because he said, God, give me one more breath for your return. God, I've been out here in the vineyard. I've been out here sweating my brow. I'm out of breath. I need some air. I need some energy. I need to catch my breath. Hello? 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 Is your cell phone on? I'm talking to you. You know that God needs to give you another breath for do, to do what he called you to do. Come on, somebody. You know you need a breath because if you don't get a breath, you can't do no work. The devil come and gut punch you and you're out of breath. He was saying, look, boys, y'all been working hard for the Lord. We're looking, we're trying, we're trying to build these churches. We got, we got to get on the ship. I got my third missionary journey. I'm out of breath. But hey, hold on. Maranatha. 
Send me a breath from heaven, Lord, something supernatural that can give me the fire and give me the strength and give me the breath that I need to do what you've called me to do. Y'all is a dead bunch in here today. I'm talking, to Je- I'm talking about Jesus sending us Maranatha. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, Maranatha. Now let me show you how important a breath is. When God formed man out of the dust of the earth, he said, man, get up and do it, man. No, he did not. He said, I formed him. Now look, I've got to give him something. He was just a case. He was just a robot. He had to get down. The Bible says that he formed man out of the dust of the earth and that he, he breathed into man and man became a living soul. God took his own breath and breathed it into a man. And it gave that man life. You know, when you go to heaven and you stand before God, because everyone in here is related back to Adam. And that original breath in Adam has gone through generation, generation, through people, through culture, through everything. Any person in the earth has got their roots and their breath tied back to Adam. Adam fell, and guess what? Everybody behind him is all just in the same boat as Adam, that same Titanic. And so Adam had his breath from God. And you know what the word spirit means? you got a spirit in you, don't you? Every one of you, your spirit and your soul, that's in you. Guess what? It actually, in the Greek, pneuma, it means wind or breath. And in the Hebrew, ruach, it means wind or breath. So what? What is it about breath that's important? Let's get down the line. When, G- when Jesus' family line, when he wants to get to the beginning of them, he goes to a people that uh, have left their land. And he goes to a man by the name of Abram. And he goes to a woman by the name of Sarai. And he says, Sarai, I've got an important job for you. Your womb is going to do something. It's going to give me a baby that comes to life out the tomb. Come on, somebody. He says to Abram, he says, Abram, you're going to have to do something. Your seed is my chosen people, and I've got to do something different from your seed than every other seed that's in the earth. And what does he do? He goes to Sarai, and he says, you're no longer going to be called Sarai. Your name is Sarah. (gasps) And he puts a breath in her name. And he goes to Abraham, or Abram, and he comes and he says, (gasps) Abraham. Hello? Hello, you try to. You cannot make the H sound without. One was a breath in, the other was a breath out. Guess what? A seed in and a seed comes out becomes a person. Come on, you you ain't trying to help me. I'm telling you something. If you look in the line of Jesus, God said this one is not going to be like everybody else. I got to put an extra breath in their family line that come from heaven. And what did he do? He kept that breath. And when he got on the cross, what happened? He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last breath. And when he breathed his last breath, they laid him in a grave. And what happened was the life of God came back in him. His breath came back in him. You know how I know? Because in John 19, he goes to his disciples and he says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And he breathed on He breathed on them. When you go to heaven, you're not going to be judged for nothing but what you did with God's breath in your life. What have you done with my breath? You mumbled, you grumbled, you complained, you cursed. Is that what you're going to be judged for? Yeah, because that ain't your breath. That's His breath from the beginning. Why I'm telling you, they said, Maranatha, say, God, give me one more breath to do your will. God, there's some things you've called me in ministry, but I've been working, I've been fighting, I've been tired. But Lord, if I could just catch my breath, Maranatha. If I can just catch my breath, Maranatha. If I could just catch my breath, I can do a little bit more for the kingdom. Give me one more breath, God. Give me one more breath, God, and I'll do your will. Give me one more breath, God, and I'll prophesy. Give me one more breath, God, and I'll pray for the sick. Give me one more breath, God, and I'll plant another church. Give me one more breath, God, and I'll get some time. You ain't trying to help me preach. I feel my helper coming on in this thing today. Jesus! 
So we get down to Pentecost. We get down to Pentecost, and guess what? The sound of a mighty rushing wind. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise from the Father. Pentecost is another breath from God. And when it broke into the room, the wind was the breath of God. And guess what you and I are going to use to bring the last day's harvest in that breath of God. Now here's where it gets kind of, here's, here's when it gets kind of symbolic right now. You, your spirit is considered to be breath or wind. The human body needs air to breathe, which is wind. And so, what I'm telling you today is that there is something called the body of Christ. And there is a head in that body. And that head is Christ or Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I have never been able to breathe out my elbow. I'm going to, y'all just try, go ahead and try. No, it ain't working for me. How about you? It work for you? Come on, let's try that thing right here. There you go. No, I can't, I can't, I can't get no breath out of there. And don't be putting your hand in your armpit and trying to say, oh, I'm breathing. You ain't breathing, you stinking. Come on. You can only breathe through this apparatus right here. You are wind. You are spirit. You are breath. And the head of the body of Christ has got the apparatus. And you cannot get into the body until you get into the face of God. You trying to serve God way back on the other end of the world, he can't even breathe you in. He can breathe as much as he can, but he can't breathe over there. He's over here. He can't breathe you in that religion. He's got to breathe you at the cross of Calvary. See, what happens to a body is it brings air into the lungs, through the mouth or nose, into the windpipe, into the lungs. And in your lungs you have what's called the respiratory tree. And the respiratory tree has this thing called alveoli. And alveoli have the capillaries. And what happens is the air gets changed into what is used in the body. Now watch this. Air comes into the lungs, and you cannot take air like it is and put it into the body. This nurse will tell you right here, if you put air, get in the body like it is. See, that's why when you get a shot, they have to make sure there's only liquid. Because if an air bubble gets in there, it'll kill you. Some of y'all are trying to get in the body, and you haven't been what happens in the process. You know what it's called? It's called conversion. When you take air and you want to get it into the body, it goes through a conversion because it has to be converted so it can get in the blood. It gets converted in the blood. I'm telling you today, there's some dreams, there's some visions that you have, but they haven't gotten into the body of Christ yet because they need to be converted in the blood. There's something about your life. You've got some greatness about you, but you can't do what God's called you to do because you've got to get in the blood. And the only way you can do it is get in the face of God and you bring He brings you in and He brings you to that conversion process and He puts you in the blood. When air gets converted in the blood, it changes it into an energy called glucose. And guess what happens with that glucose? It goes from the lungs and it goes to the heart. And when it goes to the heart, it goes and it pumps through the heart. And when it pumps through the heart, it goes to the part of the body that it's assigned to go. When it goes to that part of the body, let's say it went down to the foot. It goes, it brings the glucose there, and it gives your, you the ability to stand, balance, walk, wiggle your toes. When it spins up its glucose... It gets back in a system called veins, and it goes back to the heart. Hello? And then it goes back from the heart into the lungs, fills up the lungs, goes back to another conversion process, and guess what? It gets expelled out of the body, out of the mouth, and that's what you call breathing. Here, let me just take you on a spiritual journey today. Y'all about to y'all about to find something out about Maranatha because you need this word in your life. This is what will drive you to eternity. This will make you be like Paul, who would who wasn't care didn't care about being whipped open. He'd sing in the jail after he got whipped. How do you think he did? Because he, he had Maranatha. He had a breath that was not his own breath. See what God is saying is, get in my face and let me breathe you in the body. Let me convert you in my blood. And then what I want you to do is don't just get converted, but get to my heart. 
When you get into the heart of God, then you can receive an assignment. You can go to the part of the body that He's calling you to go. And He says, hey, I like what you're doing. Now I want to go down to the foot. I want you to go on down to the foot. You cannot say, no, I don't like the foot. I don't, I don't like them kind of people. I don't, I don't mess with those kind of people. Hello, somebody. You can hear what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. But he assigns you to the foot and you say, okay, I've got this energy, I've got this anointing, I've got this direction, I've got this gifting. And you go down to the foot and you do what you got assigned to do in the heart. You go to the tissue, to the fiber, to the bone, to the place in the body where the heart has assigned you to go. And when you get down there, you expend up as much energy as you got. And when you get done, guess where you go? You go back to the heart. You go back to the heart and you make sure that you did everything you could to do what, what was told for you to do by the heart. And the heart pushes you back out into the lungs and you come back out. Guess what? When you come back out, you come back out and you go out. And the process happens again. It keeps going on and on and on and on. Listen to me. See, God is calling some of you to get into his heart so you can find out what your assignment is. Some of you have been assigned to the hands of God. Some of you have been assigned to the assigned to the bones of God. Some of you have been assigned to the body of Christ in different areas. Some of you need to go to the eye so you can see what's coming up. So that when you get there and you do what God called you to do, you can come back to the heart. And guess what? I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to talk without any breath? Just try it right now. You can't do it, can you? you got to have breath to talk. Hello, somebody. But there is a scripture called the testimony of prophecy. Amen. The, the, the Revelations 19.10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You know what it is that is so awesome about God? When he puts you in the body, you go and do what he told you to do, and you get back out. Guess what? When you come back out, you get converted back through the blood, and guess what? You come out the windpipe of God, and when you come out the windpipe of God, you get out of the mouth, and God begins to testify and prophesy and bring to life the what you did. When you do your assignment, you get out the heart, then you can go and tell people. Man, you should have been in that service this weekend. And then you begin to describe what happened. That girl was called to have her own church. And all of a sudden, the person you're talking to starts feeling the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that same anointing that was flowing in that service starts to manifest outside of you. Come on, somebody. How do you think it is when I get out there on the street and I start talking to somebody about Jesus and tears start rolling down their eyes? It's because they feel because I've been in the heart of Jesus. They feel what I've been doing for God. They feel what I've been feeling. And then they, I get to testify. I get to prophesy. I get to bring the <gasps> to their life. Y'all really ain't trying to help me preach. I really want to preach. I wish I had some help. So what I'm telling you this morning is, see, there are people in here you've been assigned to bring healing to people's lives, but you you are refusing to get in the conversion process. Or you've been converted, but you like the conversion so much you can't get any further in this thing. You don't want to get any deeper in the body. Or you just want to stay, I just want to be in the heart of God. I want to give me your heart, God. That's great. Get the heart of God. I'm, I want the heart of God. I, I got to have the heart of God. You got to have the heart of God. But don't be so, oh, I'm just going to stay in the heart of God my whole life. And God's saying, well, what are you doing in here? <laughs> it's the third time I told you to get out. And you were on the heart of God, then he's going to have to send you to the hemorrhoids or something. I don't know. You didn't obey. That's why you're on the backside of a desert. Listen, man, get assigned in the heart of God and go and do so you can get out and prophesy and tell people what God just did. Amen? Is this helping anybody in here this morning? I'm telling you something, folks. we got to have a Maranatha. Sister girl is coming to play. Come on, sister anointed piano woman, come on. Let's get up on here and we're going to sing, Come, Lord Jesus, come. We're going to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to flow. You know what else we're going to see? We're going to see God assign us. And not only that, but there are people in here that need a healing this morning. There are people in here that need to say, You know what? I I don't feel like I'm really close to God. Well, guess what? This is the time for you to do that. You get converted. When you get close to the face of God, you can be brought in. God's going to bring you in. And you know, you're worried about this, this, and that that you got to do, or that I haven't stopped doing this, this, and that. Listen, the conversion process brings the impurities out of the, uh, out of the air so that it doesn't get in the body as much as it can. It filters it out. And then it goes through, and then the next time you go through the process, you have less in your life. 
so that you still become this pure wind or breath. That's the problem. The body's not breathing pure air yet. We've got too much compromise. Come on, keep playing. We've got too much compromise in our lives that every time that Jesus is saying, man, I'd like to do a lot more, but they don't got enough energy yet because there's too much in there. I can't get enough out of their life. Come on, I'm talking to you this morning. God is talking to you this morning. He is saying, come on and let God just take the pureness of your life, take the devotion of your life, and just bring it to His feet. When we say Maranatha, we're saying, come Lord Jesus, come, but we're really saying, God, give me one more breath. Take me into your body one more time. God, I'm facing tra- uh, tragedy. God, I'm facing problems. Uh, my marriage needs a breath. Come on, you need a marriage. You need a breath in your marriage. You need to get in the face of God. Need a breath in your children this morning. Get them in the presence of God. You need a breath in your finances. Come on, bring it in. God's saying, come on, I can breathe on that. I can breathe on that. There is nothing impossible for God this morning. Can you say amen? Come on and stand on your feet. Here we go. Come on, sing this. Come on, let him breathe on you now, 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 now. Receive. Come on, receive, 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 receive. Receive the Holy Ghost. Come on, here's that echo we were singing about yesterday right here. Some of you, your thoughts, your dreams, your visions are being converted right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here's where I want to start. Those of you that are here this morning, you say that I feel like that there's been time in my life and maybe that I've been devoted to God, but I'm not even sure that I will make it when that trumpet blows, when that return of Christ happens. I'm not even sure that I will go to heaven when I die. But you know what? This morning I believe that God can change me just like He changed Brother Glenn and so many other people in this place. If you're here this morning, and you know, I don't have to be all fancy about it, but I want you to know that right now God wants you to do this. God wants you to acknowledge that publicly so that you can not only be identified by us, but so that you can get the confidence to say, you know what? I don't like being cursed. I, don't, I want to be under a blessing. I want God's blessing. I want to know for sure that when I breathe my last breath, God looks at me. He says, what did you do with my breath? I can tell him I love Jesus with every breath that you gave me from that day forward. If you're here this morning and you say that's you, can you just lift your hand for me so I can see who you are? Come on, lift your hand high in the sky. Come on. Okay. Who else? Come on. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You know God's dealing with your heart. That's good. That's good. That's good. Come on. And just begin to say, Lord, breathe on me. Breathe away all my sin. Breathe away all my, all my failure. Breathe away all my rejection. Breathe it away. Breathe it away. Breathe it away. Now take me, Lord. Take me into conversion. Take me into your blood. Take me into your blood. Come on, confess it. Come on, confess it. What conversion is is saying, I repent. I'm sorry, God. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be at such a distance. I want to come close, God. You tell Him that. He'll take you just as you are. Just like you are. He takes you just like you are.
If you feel that you've been distant from God, you feel like you haven't been able to get into His face, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to find a, find a place of prayer up in this altar. I want to lay hands on you this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Slip. Slip out. Don't let anybody stop you. Say, i got to get my breath back. I've been gut punched by the devil. The devil lied to me. He told me God wasn't with me. I'm telling you, come on. Come on. Get your breath back. Get your breath back. Get your breath back. Get your breath back today. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Don't, don't wait for a man to do it. You do it. You do it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come. Come. You come, Lord. You come. You come to your people, Lord. You come, Jesus. You can come, Lord. Come and manifest, Father. Manifest your power, Lord. Manifest, Father. Manifest, God. Manifest the breath, Father God. Manifest. Come on, let the wind and let the breath. Come on. Like Ezekiel, God told him to prophesy to the breath. I want every leader in here, as these people have come, and wherever you are, I want you to begin to prophesy to the breath. And say, life to that breath. Prophesy to the breath and say, come and get upon the bones. And raise up an army. Come on, every leader, every leader in here, you begin to prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the wind as Ezekiel did in Ezekiel 37. I'm telling you, right now. Blow, blow, blow to that woman that is divorced and she can't see a way out. She thinks no one loves her, Lord. Blow, blow. Blow to that one that wants a, a husband for her children, Lord. Blow. 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 Blow for that man, Lord God, that has lost his job. Blow. Blow. One that lost his purpose. Blow. Blow. The one that has suicidal thoughts. Blow. Blow. Change atmospheres. Change the, the stench of the enemy. Stay, change it. Change it. Change the stench of the enemy. Come on. Blow in here, Lord. Blow in here. Blow in here. Blow in here. Something tremendous is about to break loose. I wish you would just quit waiting for something. Quit waiting. Go. 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 Flow in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, you say, Lord, give me my breath back. Father, I'm out of breath. I've been working for you, Lord. I'm out of breath. I've been, I, I don't even know where to start again, Lord God. I need to start it again, though, Lord, if you give me some more breath. Hallelujah. I'll prophesy, Lord. I'll prophesy. I'll tell people what you've done. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Let the testimony of Jesus be the spirit of prophecy. Let the testimony of Jesus be the spirit of prophecy. Come on, come on, come on. Jesus. And I don't want to be presumptuous, but can I just tell you what I feel like the Spirit of God says? It's hard to catch your breath the way you are, the position that you're in. You know the best way to catch your breath? Every runner knows it. It's to lift their hands, to stand straight up and lift their hands and let breath come into them. I want everybody that is down at this altar as the Lord releases you by the Spirit of God. You know what? Yes, you know what? I think the enemy would just love to keep you down there. I'm telling you, I believe God is dealing with your heart. But listen, there is something about putting faith behind the action that you're doing. And I believe that as you begin to lift your hands and get to a position where you can get your breath back. Some of you may remember how you've seen runners put their head hands behind their head. You know, that's like the police, you know. No, no, that's also like how you surrender. Some of you just need to surrender. And you know what I hear the Lord saying? There's somebody in here, you've been running from me like you run from the police. And you're out of breath. But guess what? I've got you and I'm arresting you. Not because I want to lock you away, 
but because I want to take you to real, real, where real freedom is. And you're out of breath because you've been running from me. But I'm about to give you breath that you can use and expend your energy not from running from me, but, but running for me. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands and say, Lord, give me back my breath, Lord. Give me back my breath, God. I take your breath back, Lord. I will do with it what you ask, Lord. I ask you, forgive me, God, for the mumbling, for the complaining, Lord. Forgive me, God, for the words I've spoken, God, which I haven't done. Forgive me for the lies, God, that I've believed, Lord. Forgive me for allowing my, my destiny and my purpose to be thwarted by the devil. But, Lord, this morning, God, I'm not running from you. I'm running to you, Lord. And, Lord, I'm coming into your face, God. And I lift my hands, God, and I say, Breathe me in, God, to your body. Breathe me into your body. Breathe me into your body, Lord. Breathe him into your body this morning, God. Yes, Lord. Breathe me in, Lord. Breathe me into your body. Rodriguez, I'm telling you right now, God is breathing you in. But the man and the women around you, they don't know who you are. They don't even know who you're going to be. But I'm telling you right now, God is breathing you in. The outside world will not understand what has happened in your life. But you, 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 you get in His face and say, Lord, I want you. I want you. Breathe me in. I'm telling you, there's tremendous change on you today. Transform me, Lord. Convert me, Lord. Assign me, Lord. Ooh, da 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 ba 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 she. Man, this is a blessed day for your life, brother. This is a blessed day. Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is a blessed day. Come on, breathe. Come on, breathe.